got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane on a brew, doing interviews, no topics off the table, but we focus on breakthroughs, so kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check, you're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear, one, two, one, two, a mic check, stone bands, royal ruckus on the scene, just to announce, we got the brews, we got the beards, tasty interviews for your ears to hear. All right, welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I'm Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here today with Verbs, also known as Nota Verbs yes, or sir. Michael Boyer. That's What's going it. on, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate, man, you giving me the call and uh, inviting me on to uh, to chat a little bit. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time. We're sitting here in a parking lot outside of where? Where are we? <laughs> man, Donaldson Bow. And I didn't know this place was still open, man. I thought this was about was, was shut down, but uh, obviously it's still alive. Yeah, apparently you can bowl for two hours for two dollars. Is that right? Yeah, they got a big signs in there. Wow. Not even on certain nights, it just says like two dollars, two hours. Man, this is the cheapest spot in town, though, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was gonna be cool. I thought we were gonna sit there and have like bowling in the background, but um, apparently there's not a lot of people tonight, so we took it to the car, which is actually. Probably going to be the best sounding podcast That's I've done it. so far. <laughs> Shout out to the Honda. <laughs> so we met, you know, we're here in Nashville, and we met in like 2002 in Nashville, and we were talking earlier, and I think we settled on Starbucks as where we saw each other a lot. Right. But there are also musical connections. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and uh, and actually, one of those connections was at Starbucks, because uh, Bonafide from Grits was working at starbucks a little bit that's right yeah um i don't remember for how long it was but i do remember the first shift he came in and i realized who it was like i couldn't <laughs> talk to him for like two hours <laughs> so but but it, it ended up being really great to work with like i always loved it when we closed yeah and like uh some of the the best memories i have at that time were with uh jay remy Yep. And and him. If the three of us closed, which was rare, but the three of us closed, we turned the music off. Jay Remy brought a boombox and we bumped hip hop while we mopped. You know. <laughs> hip hop while you mop. <laughs> Come on. So how'd you get to Nashville, man? You're from man, uh, Phoenix, right? Originally born and raised, man, Phoenix, Arizona. Hot city, home of the heat. Um and uh how I got to Nashville, very interesting, man. We I had originally met the guys from Grits when they were still dancers for a group called DC Talk. Yeah. They were doing a tour <laughs> called Free at Last. And, uh, man, I was, at a, uh, I was part of a, a collective out in, out in Phoenix. And so, man, we decided we knew this group was coming to town. We didn't really know much about them. We heard that they did rap music. So we were going to just see, just examine <laughs> the level of their rappiness right. to see that, what that was going to be like. And uh, uh, they played uh, an arena downtown where Phoenix Suns played, and um, nice. man, we went in just to just to be critics at that time. But man, the show started, and we one, ended up just being things. floored <laughs> by uh, man the performance and the level of production. Man, yeah. it was pretty impressive. Yeah. And so um, after the show, man, we were actually standing outside, and um, a guy and his son uh, came up to us. I think we had about four or five guys with us at the time, 
and he just said, hey, you know, we're, uh, we got to leave, but we have these two backstage passes. Man, nice. we'd love to give them to you guys if, uh, if you, you know, want to go downstairs and meet the guys. And so we took the passes and somebody else from far off, who I didn't even know, you know, was listening to the conversation. He said, yeah. hey, man, I know you guys got a few more few more people with you let me see what i can do to get you some more passes and so uh they able to get us some more passes we went downstairs and actually before that there was also a group named out of eden that was nice. on tour with yeah. Decent talk at the time opening for them and they said yeah you guys should go downstairs and meet you know um coffee and bonafide um it's a group called grits and uh you nice. should go down and we'll introduce you to them so we went down started chatting with the guys and uh, man, that really just sparked a, a lifelong friendship, a connection. So we said, "That's we a first-class way to make an introduction, too." I mean, to have Out of Eden like escort you down <laughs> there with backstage passes, right? Right, right, man. So it was. Uh, I mean, the guys were obviously welcoming, man. They knew that yeah. we did music as well, so we sat, exchanged verses uh, for a while in a little circle. Nice. And uh, man, from there, we just stayed in touch. Um, they had just kind of locked in the deal I think with Goatee Productions at the time is what it was Okay, and um, they were about to go into the studio and work on an album um, called Mental Releases and so they invited us up to come and, and, and hop on a song with them so we drove all the way from Phoenix to Nashville and uh, recorded <laughs> That's a long us, drive <laughs> bro and again at that time we were like 18 years old man so right. this is the first and the furthest we'd ever been outside of Arizona at that time wow. And uh, man, drove down and hopped in the studio with them and recorded this uh, this song called Screen Door. And nice. uh, man, from there we just had the Nashville bug and went home and started to pray about what would it look like for us to actually, you know, pick up and uproot and uh, yeah, see what Nashville has to offer. So right. So once you got to Nashville, what was that like? What you know what? Experience? I mean, we were. I mean, again, we were young. I think by the time we got here, it was a year later, so we were 19 years old, and you know, we grew up for the most part, you know, listening to a lot of different um, Christian rap music and a little bit of just what would be, you know, CCM at the time. And so yeah. our idea of Nashville was like, man, we get to move um, to this kind of epicenter of all where all this music is coming from and, and make make music with other believers and just, man, this is like a dream come yeah. true. Not really yeah. aware of the business side of, of all of that <laughs> or that, you know, you can actually make money by making songs. And right, that kind yeah. Of thing. And so... Man, I think once we got here, we kind of learned, you know, pretty quickly just how things ran in Nashville. And not, again, that it was all bad. It was just just a reality of um, just kind of the business side. Yeah. A lot of the people that we knew that we were connected with were genuine, authentic people, man. And, um, just great relationships came out of that. But we had to just learn real quick how, how things operated uh, right. here in Nashville. Right. So, um, you know, a little you bit naive quick. as we came in, but sure, learned quickly. So. I mean, who doesn't come in naive to Nashville? Right. I mean, right. right. It's... <clears throat> That's just, it, it's it's a tricky, uh, the music business in general is tricky, whether it's Nashville or elsewhere. Yeah. Right? Um, I, I remember um, coming in and just being surprised at, like like I said, you know, Bonafide is working at the coffee bar that I'm working at, you know. On the latte show, we accept all credit cards. Bonafide from grits over at the coffee bar. Sippy, sippy, drinky, drinky. We're all made of stars. And then, like, Stephen Curtis Chapman comes in and orders a latte. Right. You know? Like, yeah. Reese Witherspoon's in line ordering something else. You know, like, Nashville's Wait, is crazy. Reese like Witherspoon that. at the car at I, I saw her in line. I didn't meet her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, and that's incredible. how Nashville was, man. Just, yeah. just random people would show up. At a, I, I worked at Kroger in Green Hills for the longest time, okay. man. And so, <laughs> all kind of people. I was like, wait, that's... Man, I think one time I saw... 
before she passed. I think it was um, Madonna Summer just uh, out there yeah, in the produce yeah. section, you know. And right. so, uh, but yeah, things like that would definitely happen all the time. Yeah. I remember there there being a go. Do you remember the Tower Records? Absolutely, yeah. West End, bro. Yeah, that yeah was, man. That store was so dope. So, uh, so actually, a quick side note on that: we've got a line on our old song, uh, the Latte Show, where I say, "Who spilled the latte and left it on the floor?" We have fun for free. Right, rhymes galore about my girl Mandy Moore. Invite her to the show and play the harpsichord. Who spilled the latte and left it on the floor? That actually happened at Tower Records. <laughs> that was us. We spilled a latte, like we ran to the other side of the store. Like wow. we probably should have told somebody. Yeah, man, that would have been good. Yeah, I feel, I feel bad about that now, but <laughs> but no, like so I went to the Tower Records and there was this big poster of like I don't know Travis Tritt or something, some country star. Yeah. And I looked right there and I was like, oh, dude, I make that guy coffee all the time. <laughs> it was weird, like wow. But that's kind of normal. Like, yeah, in Nashville yeah. for sure, man. And, and a lot of those guys, man, they're real humble. Yeah. So you would yeah. never know that. You know, this this guy just sold, you know, four million records exactly last month. And yeah. so uh that's the cool thing I think about Nashville. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and, and I, I really enjoyed too, like um you know, we were talking earlier, um you used to room with the all the grits guys, right? That's it, man. I mean at one point before everybody started getting married, man, we um it was all of us. It was uh um Originally, when I came down with a friend of mine, Rich Graves, man, we were in a group called Scholars of the Holy of a Holy Intellect. I love and, that name. Um, we, uh, I mean, the only guys that we knew here was Coffee and Bonafide. Yeah. And so, um, man, it's how somehow whatever I mean, the situation was when we came, we ended up rooming with uh, with Coffee, and then after that, we ended up rooming with Coffee and Bonafide, and then we all moved <laughs> to another apartment, and yeah. it was all four of us. With uh, it was a uh, Coffee, Bonafide, myself. Um, my guy Rich, he had moved back to Phoenix to kind of handle some family's business there. Okay. And then uh, DJ Form, he was oh, about yeah, to yeah. get married. He had an apartment. He was like, "Look, man, y'all can um, y'all can move in with me for like six months before I get married, and then we can you know save on some rent and all of that." And so, man, we all made that move. So it was all four of us like in a two bedroom spot. <laughs> he got Did you married. Have bunk beds or what? <laughs> no, man. We that, bro, we had the kitchen. We sectioned that off with a little partition. That became right. a bedroom. I think two of us. Wow bunked in the other bedroom and then uh <laughs> and then dj form man he had his own bedroom because that was that was his apartment before right 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 so he got married and then there was another apartment vacant or going vacant in that same uh that same little setup so we moved over there wow and so yeah for man probably from about 96 to about 2004 man we were yeah. roommates on some level um, okay roommates again label mates road mates all of that man so it was fun times. <laughs> that sounds fun. And that's totally Bachelor style. My gosh. Oh, yeah. So, uh, one thing we talked about earlier, the I think the only time I went over to your place was in uh, 03. And Soup the Chemist had come in town. Yes. And he had his album, Eargasmic Arrangements, yeah. uh, which is just incredible. Open up windows. Rhythmic patterns from the soul. Elements from the basement. Eargasmic Arrangements. Emotion blowing like wind, hit your body and settle in. So much flavor you can taste it. Eargasmic arrangements, open up windows. Rhythmic patterns from the soul, elements from the basement. Eargasmic arrangements, emotion blowing like wind, hit your body and settle in. So much flavor you can taste it. Eargasmic arrangements.
and, and he flew out to Nashville with like no plan, right? Like, <laughs> didn't know where he was gonna stay. Yeah. And uh, Pigeon John had hit me up, and of course I was like super thrilled to put anybody up uh, that was cool. But when I heard it was Soup, oh, I was yeah. like, oh. Yeah, yeah. The Godfather. Right. The like, legendary. The James <laughs> Brown of Christian hip-hop, brother. Yeah. yeah. And, and I ended up being his chauffeur for the week during uh, the GMA week. Yeah. And, um, but the big the big event that week was at your house. <laughs> and you weren't even there. Like, you know what? And I just, we were talking about that earlier. I just remembered because I was at, if it was 03, that was that time I had uh, relocated temporarily over to South Africa to Cape Town. Ah, and so okay. I remember when I came back, man, everybody was telling me, you know what was going on and i had the <laughs> listening party there i was like how listening party there's not enough space in this this oh, place to, for that to happen but uh it was elbow to elbow man i'm sure bro i mean even just like the the cross movement was there those guys alone took up half the place really yeah i don't know how man, many of them were I there feel but, like i just missed a yeah. great moment in yeah. uh in christian rap history with <laughs> yeah somewhere out there it's probably on the Wayback machine i actually wrote an essay about it it got published somewhere online that website doesn't exist anymore but uh, I think it was called The Godfather Has Left the Building. Man, you got to... I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, it's, I got to read that. It's, I'm hoping... Like, have you ever been on the Wayback Machine? No. Okay, so it's... it's uh, I think it's archive.org, but it's called the Internet Wayback Machine. Okay. And it archives all this stuff from the Internet that you thought was gone forever. It's not wow. the whole Internet, but right. like a lot of stuff from that time period that's gone. Yeah. It's there if you just... You can't Google it. You, like, have to go to that site. I'll try to find it. If I can find it, uh, it's fun. You actually get a shout on our new record. I uh, test drove your Range Rover or Land Rover. Man, when was this? This this, this would have been, like, 02 or 03. Do you remember that car? Yeah, my bro. Like, I I feel the like tank, the, man. the heater didn't work or something. The heater, I do remember that. Yeah. Yep, the heater didn't work. Um, yeah. It was that Army Green... Man, what was it, a 94, 92 maybe Range Rover? Man, I yeah. love that that truck, man, for sure. Yeah, you, you were trying to sell it, and yep. uh, my car, I I had had this car with, like, Royal Ruckus graffiti all over it. I don't know if you ever saw that. it. Yeah. yeah, it died, like, the transmission died or something, and I couldn't afford it. So I yeah. just let the tow, they had towed <laughs> it. I just let them keep it. Yeah. Because um, by the time I paid to ransom it back from them, it wasn't, it wasn't worth it. So I, I test drove your car and I actually mentioned it on the album, but I call it a jalopy on the album. But man, I know it wasn't a jalopy, thanks. but no, man, that, was, <laughs> that was the tank, bro. I love that car, man. I wish, uh, yeah, I wish actually I could find another one just like that. But oh no, thanks. No, I'm kind of watching the old carbohydrates and glucose this week. Apple pie is just loaded with carbohydrates and glucose. Well, heaven knows I shouldn't eat any. Last time that I checked I'm not Kenny Lamar Now 
Jay-Z or M Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rakim Royal Rock is coming back until your moment is in I had a pet squirrel for a second, I'm not kidding Shared it with my best girl, but ended up quitting Released them both into the wild with my wishes and a smile Priest said work on me a while, but she makes me such a grecophile Grew a beard Someone have to phone it in Bless her with a beer Restart a rap career And make a chick flick Starring Mr. Belvedere Charles in charge at 7.30 Full house at 8 o'clock I know it's hard to swallow I'm still Jimmy from the block Used to have a little Now I save once in a while Dudes asking how can you Afford your rock and roll lifestyle Mostly poor budgeting Dave Ramsey books on credit Should probably spend more time Reading money tips on Reddit Got something to say But it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims At least last time that I checked I'm not Kenny is coming back until your moment is in I got something to say, but it's not what you'd expect You make ridiculous claims, at least last time that I checked Not Kanye West, not Drake or Rakim Royal Ruck is coming back until your moment is in So I want to I want to come back to uh, your rap career. Before I do that, I want to ask a question: Like, how'd you become a rapper, or how'd you decide you wanted to be one? Sure. Like, <clears throat> Man, so for me, um, I don't really come from a musical family, you know, at all. Um, other than we loved music, you know. So at family get-togethers, barbecues, what have you. Man, I had an uncle who uh, just kept records, man, and um, even at five, six years old. You know, that was the thing, man. He he'd, uh, he showed me these records. He came up, he bought, you know, recently and played them. And he had this super dope system, man. So it was like, yeah. I remember distinctly the smell of the vinyl and this, mm. when he when he, when he he turned on that system, man. It was yeah. a smell to it. And uh, watching the the, uh, the VU meters bounce, bounce back oh, and yeah, forth, yeah. man. So that's where, for me, I just locked in the music and got into, you know, 
break dancing and that whole thing. Um, but man, years later, um, I remember my parents had gotten a divorce. I was I was okay. 12 years old. Um, there was a church that my dad was going to at the time, and they were about to have a summer camp, man. So this was I had opportunity to go to that. And that was yeah. like the first time I ever was a part of a church function or a youth group, and certainly summer camp. I only seen camp like on the movies, like Ernie yeah. goes to summer yeah. camp, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I uh, went to the camp, man, and really had a chance to hear, um, you know, the pastor that was uh, over the youth group at the time was just really just talking about faith, what it looks like to have a relationship with God, who Jesus is what he did for us on the cross and what that means for our life. And I think just from just like the divorce and trying to figure out what life mm, looked like right. between two households. Right. Um, man, even at 12, it was just, I was just trying to figure out, man, what is, what does life look like going forward? Yeah. And I knew that there was a peace that I was looking for that I felt like I didn't have. And it was just more of a tumultuous kind of feeling going on inside. Sure. And so what he was saying, man, for the first time, it felt like the light had gone on and that um, for the fact that he was explaining really uh, the basics of the gospel message and um, he uh, he gave a moment for us to uh, respond to that message and yeah. so man I knew that whatever he was saying I wanted it in my life and so I went forward obviously we did the whole salvation prayer thing but beyond that man I felt like a significant heart shift I felt like a weight had been lifted off of my shoulders okay. and off of my mind really yeah yeah and it was just uh, this whole experience of just, man, this is, God actually has a purpose for my life. And because of what Jesus had done on the cross for me, this is now the life that is available for me to live in him. Subliminal slaves for minimum wage, fulfilling the grave and filling the grave. I feed off the rage to be the machine against destruction's massive scheme. Things unseen, my means to end. The payment is life to breathe again. Still paying the price so high to live. The road that's traveled is so expensive, too extensive to put in the verse. Cop the whole album, unlock the curse, ride in the hearse and kick up the dirt. Cause that's what it took for me to put in work. Mortify, stay live with rhymes intensive. But this right here is so expensive. Man, you can't be too pretentious. Verbs and Christians had to mention. Let me hear you say it.
type of new ambiance. Gotta keep it moving, that's for real. All I know is that I never, never dish another raw deal playing. Make believe, saying that I'm true. No proof when words mismatch what I do. The game of life will handle you in a manly way. Leave it acting immature like you B2K. Looking for a little gold in it, spray a little soul glow in it. Many trust when they roll with it, but the penny got a hole in it. Got a little too bold with it. The green guy got a fold in it. When it's been done and gone, really it's over with. Gross debt, we all net for buying fast thrills. One reconciling, piling past bills. Paid in full to give you what you need. And the love, it don't cost you a thing indeed. This is 1987, man. So there wasn't any. I might have heard Stephen Wiley's Bible break, and that was the, the closest <laughs> thing that I heard. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Jesus, a guy being talked about in a rap song. Sure. And um, um, so that week, after that whole experience, we had this talent show at the end of the camp, and we decided the group I was in, our cabin, we decided let's write a rap song. First time any any of us would have tried to do something like that. Wow. And so we did that. We performed it. And uh, it was me and again my dude, <laughs> my dude Rich man. He had the beatbox, nice. and uh, we took some some lyrics and threw it on top. And then from there, man, as I was trying to figure out one this new faith that I'm now have now uh, subscribed to and just learning how to grow as a young man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got into the Bible, reading the Bible more, and I would take these Bible stories I was reading and put them into song form. And then we go to the youth group and and, and you know sure. perform these songs. Yeah. But my whole thing began to um, I knew I had friends that I wanted to tell about Jesus and about God and who he was and I knew they weren't if they were going to church they weren't really listening to whatever was going on from the platform yeah. so I was like man we can take this same message and put it into music and I remember sitting in my room one day specifically man and I felt like God was saying to me I'm giving you this ability one so you can speak to a people that don't know me but know the sound and two to be able to provide edifying music because again at that time there's i thought i've stumbled across some new revolutionary idea of yeah christian yeah. hip-hop right but to be able to edify you know peers my age with music who they might not know the sound but they they do know me and so it's kind of like a two-fold or two-prong um just charge yeah and so from there man i just you know read more try to write more try to okay. take the things i was learning and right. um, just kept going man and then i started um uh, we met some other guys in our city that were doing the same thing. We connected and formed this collective called uh, the Inner Gate Dwellers. Ended up doing, you know, just kind of shows around the city, yeah. and 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 um, and that's kind of how it. How old were you when you started that crew? Well, I started writing at twelve, and by the time we got into, you know, high school, um, 
man, we might I might have been like 16, 17 years old okay. um, when we realized that there was other guys who were doing it as sure. well. Yeah. But so now this is the soup moment, right? Okay. So after that, 12 years old, man, there was a ministry out west um, a lot of people are familiar with called Victory Outreach. Mm-hmm. They always used to do these street dramas. And so one time, and I think I walked into a record store, might have been a Tower Records out in Arizona. Okay. And uh, there was this flyer that said, you know, holy, is the holy hip hop or Christian rap at this location on a Saturday night. So, man, I took the flyer and begged my dad to take me over there. Nice. Because I was like, man, this is somebody else doing what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So we pulled up in this neighborhood, man, and literally it was like in the back, somebody's backyard. They had a PA set up. And, man, we went back there and it was it was Soup and uh, DJ Dove. Nice. Just doing the show. And this is yeah. before. I mean, the tapes that he had at the time was um, an album called Fully Armed, but it was like the demo before the actual oh, yeah. release. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, I saw him up here doing doing his thing. And I was like, man, this guy is doing what I'm actually trying to do, man. So I went up. I think afterwards and just ask him a couple of questions but man, wow. that helped me say this, yeah. this is possible and sure. it can be done man so I appreciated um, going to be able to see him as again yeah. that was an encouraging and a pivotal point for uh, for me in that writing so yeah and shout out to Soup the Chemist man um, did have you read his uh, memoirs book. I haven't read the full thing yet man um, that book though is, is so good like it was so fun for me to see it from his eyes sure right? yeah like and uh, it's funny you mentioned Victory Outreach because that was, like, you know, my mom wasn't letting me go to shows when yeah. I was a kid. But she was okay with me going to Christian shows. Right. And uh, it was Victory Outreach that was putting on all the Christian hip-hop shows. Man. And in Bakersfield, we didn't get much shows anyway. Yeah. But you get all these guys like SFC, they're in Los Angeles. There's no problem for them to go to Bakersfield. Yep. Like, two hours away, right? So. Man, they used to... Between Victory Outreach and we had a ministry out in Phoenix called uh, Salvation Army on our side of town. Yeah. But I'm telling you, man, they, they would bring in shows from SFC, T-Bone, mm-hmm. the Dynamic Twins, oh, yeah. King. They were bringing in all these guys. And when I finally like figured out this was going on, it was like, man, this this is coming through our city all the time, man. So we would, yeah. we would just stock up and, and try to get to whatever was going on. Um, and then we actually got to the point that we were actually able to open up for these guys and like we were oh, in cloud nice. nine man so. yeah okay so let's let's fast forward back to nashville so okay. so you, uh so you're into hip-hop and then and then you start a couple groups and then eventually you make it to nashville um at what point did you go solo at what point did you sign a record deal like what was that process sure. like so um like i said man i came out here i was part of it was my me and, a, and my, my good friend i mean we actually came to christ at the same time in the same room man, at that okay. camp so yeah. we, we had started a group which is it was me and him who moved down here initially and um um like i said he ended up going back home to kind of take care of some family things and so it was you know i felt like it was i was supposed to stay and just kind of you know figure out whatever it is that i needed to be here doing which ultimately was the music thing and i didn't know what yeah. it was going to look like per se uh, once he went back home because our my main our main gig at the time was one we were all working at Kroger um, okay in the in the deli department slicing meat <laughs> nice um, and then going out on the road with grits as dancers okay. now on the on the weekends or whenever they have would have shows pop yeah. up and so it was really kind of through that being on the road with them which really going out as dancers was just a, uh, a way to to be able to be able to rap uh, yeah out on the road and so danced and did kind of backup vocals for them right. and goatee also knew that you know i actually wrote and did music as well and so after about three years of just being um around 
um, a guy who was an A&R at Goatee at the time named Mike McLaughlin. We started the conversation about, hey, what would it look like if, if, if we signed you and picked you up so you can do, a, right. do an album? Yeah. And um, so I was like, man, yeah, that's, I mean, what more could you ask for? Because at that time I had been around the guys and been around Goatee and the other artists. So it was like, man, for that to be able to, to be, uh, you know, home. Yeah. The label sense right. was, was, again, a dream kind of come true. So sure. That's how that initiated. So that meant me going out as a solo artist and begin to work on my own music. Okay. Um, and we still tried between myself and Grits, we still tried to travel as much as we could on the road uh, together yeah. because we were just, that was now our collective, you know. Right. So, um, and you, you guys made a lot of sense together. Like, even if you hadn't had a group together, right. like, like the, the vibe and all that was just very compatible. Sure. You know? Yeah. And again, I mean, that was, man, at that time, literally, we were around each other 24-7 on the road, yeah. at home. You know, it was, it was, we were, we were brothers, you know. So. Did, did that put some strain on the relationship, though? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny because, I mean, literally, we were like family. So as brothers, yeah. as brothers, sometimes they just have their, their right. disputes. But, man, always with us, I mean, it was probably a couple of times where, yeah, we were ready to just, like, look, we either going to throw blows or just wrestle it out yeah. and just go for it because, you know, whatever happened, you know, was wrong. So let's, let's settle this. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it never really got to that point. We okay. would, had some verbal exchanges, but man, an hour later, literally, we were we were all joking about yeah. it and uh, and laughing it out. So, so yeah, man. I mean, you'd have your, your strenuous times, sure. but I think at that point, we knew that we were always around each other. So, I mean, it was nothing for anybody to just kind of pull away just to get some some time to right. kind of reset, right. man. So, yeah. well, I know I know with uh, me and Mike oh, Flatline, we lived together, we went to church together, and we worked at Starbucks together. Yeah. And at some point, I was like, oh, and, and of course, we were recording our album at the time, too. So it was like every free minute <laughs> was with each other as well as every minute working. So I transferred out of that store. That's that's why I left the, the Nashville store. I went, well, went down to uh, Nipper's Corner. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think that's actually where I met, I think, Jay King. I think probably he, so. I think yeah, he I lived think he down near there, point, so he yeah. used to come in there a lot. I was like, "Oh, don't I know you from somewhere?" You yeah. know, and then put put it together with you guys. Yeah. Now, yeah, now, what man. what did he do with you guys? So at one point, um, Jay actually uh, he used to work for a guy um, named Sam Chapel, who okay. managed you know, you know a few artists at the time. Jay came in and was kind of helping Sam um, on the booking side. Okay. And so that's right. For a while, I think if I remember if I remember correctly, I mean he helped book us for a while and then he actually started doing more work at Out of Eden on the on the road management okay. side. Oh, gotcha. Um, we either see it that way or vice versa, but um so yeah, then he actually ended up just managing us um as our straight up manager uh, for both Grits and myself. So that's 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 the J connection and then okay. again he was a part of that group. To where on Tuesday nights we were all having Bible studies at our house and just uh, really kind of came into the into the fold, man, um, and became one of our came family to us too. So yeah, nice. Misery, not exactly known consciously, doesn't like being alone, but loves company. La da 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 ba da ba da doodle. Richie is be getting to the calling of the dumb doodle. Misery, not exactly known consciously, doesn't like being alone, but loves company. La da 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 ba da ba da doodle. the same dude I knew, man. You're not him. Cause you've been acting different since you
the pack. But now you bug with Beatles and invest in something whack. Me, the third person, I like the first version. But then you switch your style and compile a dunk version. I guess you're feeling the points of peer pressure. Never do what Beatles do, even if they sweat you. Old principles, it's like you never had a need for. You're the one on my list I deeply intercede for. Hey, let your ears be dead into the screaming of Beatles and all the mess that they tread in. Oh man, there she goes again, blocking my vision. Her plan to see my death by any means, the mission. One glance could spark the blaze I left extinguished back then. Back when she had me trapped in the pleasures of sin, I must refuse to give in and take the kingdom by force. But of course, oh so tempting, her voice a sibling, aroma that of Egyptian musk, if you will. Did a dance before my eyes in one of my favorite tunes, reminding me of what we had and how it ended so soon. Grave digger, steady looking for my corpse, I assume. Mesmerized, gaining consciousness as the plot took a fall. She disappeared in thin air, her name is smoke floated there. Upon a journey of gigantic magnitude, proportion and purpose, worthless as a porcelain porpoise. If your vision service, division surface, eating everything like an acidic mass, a prolific cast and crew, factors, and an arena near you. Gotta grasp with the realization of Christ. Do you glitch on the computer screen? Catch a wreck like a burning train, make a commuter scream to make it through this dream. A minor altercation from circumstances developed. Dunk beetle at it again. Formatted with pictures developed. No evil swarm when I be conformed at all. Exceptions my redemption from Aiden Call. Wait, 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 wait. Without a care, Vaseline in my hair, debonair. Here, stare, super clean, and I'm bare. And under weather, seven factors got more than you. Why do we need to follow? Maybe you'll do what I do. We enter the room. Ooh, never to some. Ready to bloom while the drones create more clones that we consume. Alex the great state, young and beautiful without hate. We set trends while you tend to be in popular slaves. Wait, while they drink vodka, I take my girl out to lobster. Why should we even imitate an imposter? I'd rather emulate and conform to God's son while I'm out shouting Nash and my EV1 alike. Exactly, known consciously, doesn't like being alone, but loves company. La da 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 da, ba da ba da, doodle. Let your ears be getting to the calling of the dumb doodle. Misery, not exactly, known consciously, doesn't like being alone, but loves company. La da 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 da, ba da ba da, doodle. Let your ears be getting to the calling of the dumb doodle. Misery, not exactly, known consciously, doesn't like being alone, but loves company. La da 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 da, ba da ba da, doodle. I want to come back to I want to talk more about um, your career but let's let's run with that you told me that a uh, bunch of you guys got together recently yeah yeah uh, we got together man because it had been a while since all of us had been in the same room I think you know we were all just through the years probably over the last whatever five six maybe even ten years you know people have been getting married but having sure. children right um, you know moved out of state and so it's we hadn't really just all pulled together as one cohesive unit in a long time and uh you know, just life had been going on for a lot of us. And uh, so it was good to just kind of get back together and just just hang out for a minute and just kind of just kind of uh, catch up and all yeah, that. And so that's cool. Um, so, yeah, man. It's, Who, it's, whose idea was that? You know what? We had been 
I'll tell you how it actually started is one, we just knew we hadn't all seen each other. And I think there's things about us seeing each other on a, seeing each other on a weekly basis. Like I said, we used to have just Bible studies every Tuesday night, like consistently. Yeah. And then all this, you know, probably about a, whatever, maybe about two years ago, um, all this stuff that was going on in the news with, uh, you know, these police shootings and just ethnic tension mm, in general yeah, yeah. was going on. And right. I think one thing that we realized just about our group, especially at that time is, um, just the diversity and yeah. just who we were as a collective, man. And I think for us, we always appreciated that. Never, we had those conversations and that was something that, you know, was, it wasn't really normal as far as seeing guys that tight knit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, from all these different ethnic backgrounds. And right. so um, we were like, man, we need to just, let's just pull together and try to meet up and just, right. just talk about what's right. going on and where everybody is. And um, <clears throat> I mean, a lot of guys were traveling, they were on the road, um, Madge, he was out on the road with, uh, with was just still out on the road with Toby DJing. So it was okay. trying to everybody's nice. schedules was yeah. firing differently, and we couldn't right. really get it together. And so finally, we just said, "Look, man, we got to make this happen." And so we planned it like a month in advance, and it turned out everybody's schedules were open enough to do it. Nice. And uh, again, man, just just reconnected, just try to hear yeah. where everybody was and, and catch up. So right, that's dope. So so tell me about uh, like how many records did you have? Yeah, so I did um, three under Goatee, and okay. then I did one independent record. Um, so the last full record I did was actually you know, was in 07, um, okay. a record called The Groundwork Theory. Okay. And uh, so... And are, are they are they all online right now? I think they are, man. I think most of them are on iTunes or, or Spotify for sure. Between, uh, between those two outlets, you know, you can catch most of that music. I know my first album was called The Syllabus. I know for sure that's on uh, iTunes Music. Yeah. I think... Uh, Verbs Unlocked is on there as well, and Action Figure, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they all might be on there, man. I haven't really checked recently, sure, but sure. Uh, I think they're all available online, sure. Actually, a fun little uh, side note that just came back to me, uh, when you meant, as soon as you mentioned the syllabus. So I worked at a Christian bookstore Okay. when, when I was in high school, when, and when the syllabus came out. <laughs> and they sent all these, uh, I don't know what you call them, but they were flats. like... Flats. Yeah, they yeah. sent these flats. They these little cardboard things are like 12 inches square or so. Yeah. And I don't know, I had this this knack about making these like mobiles out of them. <laughs> and and uh, the owners like love, I just did it like one day on my own. And yeah. they were like, those are so cool. You know, like, well, I want you to make those. And I made, I wish I had a picture of it, but I made the coolest mobile nice. out of out of your your flats. Nice. And uh, I I feel like it had a square thing and then like a triangle thing, and we hung them from the ceiling. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, that was a thing to do. I mean, any, it's funny because again, you mentioned Tower Records. It was like, yeah, man, flats were all over the place in these different yeah. origami style shapes, and it was like, yeah, that's what man. I, that's a blast from the past. I yeah, forgot bro. about that stuff, man. So the la- when uh, when did you put the last album out on your own? So the last record I did was uh, 2007. Okay, um, is when it came out, and it was uh, again it was an independent release, so there wasn't really um, a whole lot of, of fanfare around it. Sure, we just yeah. we dropped it, you know. And, uh, and well, what it. what inspired that? Were you just like, hey, I've got these songs, I want to get them out there? Yeah, or... I knew when uh, uh, Goatee. I, I'm trying to remember the year. It probably was 2000 four or five-ish. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. And, um, man, I think at the time it was like, well, let me see. I think there was a shift in music at that time. So there was, at one point, as you know, I mean, Christian labels were picking up all kinds of hip-hop artists yeah. and rappers. And then that kind of tapered off a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
you know, a few years later. So there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of people that were picking up or supporting music at that time. But so I think I just kind of felt I felt that tape were coming, and I was like, well, look, you know, Joey and um, and Toby, man, at the label, were just great guys in general. Yeah. And so um, I pretty much went to them because they've always been open to where, you know, we had that we could have that conversation if things weren't going yeah well or we felt like things need to go in a different direction that we could have that conversation sure. and so right. um we had we had a conversation like that and uh um you know they let me you know step off the label okay and uh, and i knew i f- i knew i still had songs that i wanted to get out yeah that, uh they would again i just been sitting in there but i wanted to get out and be able to kind of make it um make it make songs that didn't have to necessarily feed a machine or a a certain sound or yeah, whatever to right. kind of make it do what it needs to do in that in that market right so i kind of wanted to not have those restraints but just man make an album that i always really wanted to make and again not that i didn't have that freedom it's just i right. felt the freedom come even more oh of course those, those of course restraints so so that's how the groundwork theory came about is um they were songs that that I had written that I felt kind of that that I felt kind of really uh, represented just a different level of growth and okay. again I'm coming back from man I'm coming back from living overseas um, out in South Africa for for us you know almost half a year so there was all these new experiences and just these new realizations that I wanted to put to music man and so um, so I came back started writing that record and uh, was able to finish it up in 07 like right before I, I, I got married Okay. And um, so, I mean, for me, it was it was a lot of those tracks on there. Some of the tracks and to some of the, the beats I did myself. Some of them I collaborated oh, nice. with other yeah. with other people. But it was kind of like, man, this is a, a grown version of of uh, of where Verbs is and where where he's heading. So right. And uh, but yeah, that was. I have to check that out. I don't think I think that's the only one I ever heard. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, it's again, it was for me, it was just something I had to at least get out. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't a whole lot of marketing push. Well, it's it's it, a hard you know, thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a difficult thing to get the word out on your own. Yeah. Um, plus, at least towards the end of 2007, my life was kind of chaos. Yeah. So, I, like, I wasn't picking up any new music. Yeah. Um, and, and then, too, at, so, at some point along the way, I became really detached from, like, the so-called Christian hip-hop community. Right. And I pretty much only listened to stuff if it was, number one, friends which you qualify for that right. but number two somebody had to tell me about it right. <laughs> and i had probably hadn't seen you in a year right. or two you know or whatever so um call jamie tell him to listen to this yeah it, that would have yeah. worked but you know how many how many friends are you gonna call you right. know like <laughs> no, that's cool so do you have uh do you have any more songs in you right now or are you yeah wh- you know where what? is that aspect of you now it's funny man because um man it's like you you never want to say so let me back up. I feel like when you're wired to, when you're wired as a communicator um, and as an artist, it's like you never really just tap out and check out. Yeah. Um, especially when, you, when you're when you going into just different seasons of life. Like I yeah. said, at that time, I was about to get married. Um, you know, my, my wife was, was moving here from Cape Town, South Africa, and I knew that I just had to shift a few things to be able to just settle in in the marriage life. Yeah, yeah. And I had been rapping since, again, 12 years old, man. Sure. So I was fine with just kind of saying, all right, just let me put this on pause. Right. Um, and figure just the rest of life out and where I'm going. Figure out what else God has wired me to do besides just rap. and Just just let that whole thing settle. 
Um, and so, I mean, and even after the record, I've, I've been writing features and all that kind of thing throughout the years for sure. But um, and then even as as, you know, making music early on, it's like we always had a collective. So guys would be writing together in a studio. Right. So kind of when the whole digital revolution thing came in and then, you know, guys are just emailing versus recording them at home. And right. Kind of lost. You kind of yeah. lose out on that. Just being able to create community, man. Yeah. And so I was like, ah. Yeah. And then, I mean, just kind of being really just honestly just uninspired with a lot of the music that was coming out it was kind of like eh, i don't really yeah. feel like i need to add right. anything to the to the situation sure. right now so in my mind is like all right i'm just going on hiatus for a while just okay live a little bit of life you know reload and whenever i feel like a burden to actually say something again because for me like even my first record i mean i wrote first record came out i guess in my early 20s but a lot of those songs were concepts that came out in high school yeah of me trying to say man god has a purpose for our life and this is what it can look like played out, even though we are um, faced with these challenges. Yeah. And this is, what, this is what God is saying. Let's apply this to our life and then see what he does. Yeah. And so I felt the burden to get those things out. And so I'm just now getting to the, the, the point where, I mean, again, with everything that's going on just in culture and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and me having a little bit more life behind me as a dad, as a husband, just trying to grow in my own faith. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I feel like, man, it's. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the point to where, man, I have a bunch of stuff, again, concepts and ideas that I've been yeah. writing down, but just haven't really dug in and trying to flesh those out. Yeah. So that's kind of where I am. I mean, I definitely, just where, I think music is at a cool place, specifically hip hop. I think guys are trying new things, new, yeah. you know, rhyme patterns and schematics and all that. And so I think that's cool. I mean, I'm definitely at a place where I, I'm ready for the next kind of wave of whatever that sounds or looks like. Yeah. But I, I think guys are in a spot to where they're willing to push the envelope with uh, with writing and all that stuff. So yeah. hopefully, you know, we turn another another corner soon and uh, see some new sounds coming out of the out of the hip hop. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear that. If uh, if that comes to fruition with you, call me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but but seriously, I mean, like when I think about it, like if your last record was 10 years ago mm -hmm. and you got married and started having kids like in many ways you're the same person but in many ways you're a different man absolutely right yeah. so like the verbs of today uh it's gonna be really interesting to hear I mean, yeah man and yeah i mean again i'm excited just to uh gain back i mean you get married right you have start having children so a lot of your available bandwidth is is you know yeah. going to want to build yeah um and a lot of guys can do the do it all you know what i'm saying yeah um for me i mean i wish i was that talented but uh, man, yeah. I had to me. I feel like I had to focus on these different sure. seasons of life just because I didn't want to miss anything. I want, I needed to learn stuff. Yeah, I needed to unlearn some things. Right, and uh, so I was cool with just kind of stepping back. Yeah, and becoming more of an observer and a supporter of uh, a lot of the music was coming that was coming right. out. So, for for me, where where I am today is like I I backed off of what was essentially my dream from like you. I started writing at twelve, mm -hmm. and uh, and I backed off. For, for similar reasons as you, but uh, my my situations ended up in shipwrecks. So um, so I ended up losing, in, in some ways I felt like I lost a lot of time. In other ways I learned a lot. Sure. And like the record that I just put out, I couldn't have put out, I couldn't have written it without the shipwrecks sure. that I had in between. Uh, but the more uh, Flatline and I wrote this record, the more I was like, why did I ever stop? 
You know, we yeah. wrote it over a two-year period. I mean, it's a double album, so uh, like it's ridiculous. I threw thirty songs at everybody. Like, <laughs> and, and we threw songs out. Like, there was a lot more yeah. written than that. You know, um, but but it was like after so much time, I was like, I have so much to say. You know, and and now like I'm so relieved. It was like opening the relief uh, release valve. Sure. You know, and and the the pressure came off. Then I needed a breather. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm writing again, and it feels great. Like, and it actually feels better. Yeah. What do you think about? 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 Oh, it's 
and man, to your point, man, I think, I think what, I mean, just with art in general, right? There's, yeah. there's art that you create and that you, you're hoping that this art can attain some kind of level of success. But I think, um, if the industry determines what that success level is, then there's, you try to, you try to live to that standard or create to that standard and you find out, man, this, I'm not really creating my best art trying to just hit this mark. Yeah. And so yeah. there's pressure, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's all these right. things that I think the creative or the artist ends up slipping into because, man, this is what the industry deems a success and I got to produce at this level. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not convinced, man, that again, this is when we create our best art, especially from, right. from the, the industry that we are a part of, man, there's not a whole lot of, yeah, we collaborate, other guys hop on each other's songs, but there's no lot, there's not a whole lot of just in community creating things where everybody has right. a certain amount of weight and this is where right. it becomes. Right. But I think the great thing, man, just, to, just about being believers who are creating art is, man, we understand that God is writing a story. We understand yeah. we have to be patient and we understand that there's, there's um, things that God allows us to go through to be able to burn things into us or burn stuff out of us that ultimately at the end when we're writing things we're actually writing his he's writing a story through our life and so there is no there is no grid that you can mark you know say hey this is what success looks like um right. to god i mean to him it's like look success looks like you just trusting me and then as you live and you you're you're yeah. as i write your story and people hear about that and i get the glory for it well then boom that's success now that might i mean look at just scripture how many yeah. years pass between different events and all these kinds of things and 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 a lot of the, the people that we read about in scripture but yet at the end of it it still points back to who jesus is and and him being lifted up and glorified and i think as we go through all these different challenges as artists as creatives man if there's pauses if there's shipwrecks that ultimately when we get back to the point of where we're able to vocalize and communicate what's been going on in our life we see right the narrative right. and it gets shaped and at the end of the day, even if you had, <clears throat> if you had no label, you did no shows, but people were being impacted by your story, what God was writing through your life, man, that's success. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's really trying to step back from the industry version of success just to say, man, what what's what does God deem as success? Yeah. And how can I just how can I walk with him through it and pace myself to be able to make sure that what I communicate and what I create honors and glorifies him. So Yeah. Yeah, I, w I was hearing from a friend this morning, um, well, he was actually speaking to a group of men. Um, this dude, uh, Aaron Porter. I don't know if you ever met Aaron. He, li he lives down in Franklin. Okay. Um, I won't tell the whole story, but basically, uh, Aaron was talking about a, a friend of his who has a particular struggle, and he he felt like if this struggle was taken away, that he would somehow be able to do a lot for the kingdom. Mm. But uh, Aaron asked him, you know, essentially, what, well, what happens when this struggle comes in? And he said, well, I pray to God to give me strength, and uh, I turn to my wife, and I love her more. And he's like, wait, okay, let's think about this. So when this thing comes up, it causes you to rely on God and turn to your wife. Mm -hmm. But you want to take that away so you can go and be an over... Uh, overactive pastor or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. He's like, yeah, th I think I'm going to go with that temptation. Yeah. Because that's causing you to rely on God. Yeah. And I, I think there's, uh, a, at least for people who are Christians or, you know, whatever their faith is, if, if, if there's something um, causing you to rely on God 
more than yourself, like maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, you know. No, I agree. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, I'm walking in the club like, um, excuse me, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, my bad, not you shipwreck. Hey, love boat, I'm walking in the club like, oh, my bad, not you shipwreck. Uh, now you you were telling me I don't I don't know where you're gonna go with it, but you were telling me that uh, you might have a shipwreck story to talk yeah, about. Yeah, and um, I think for me, man, just I mean, it was probably I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago now. Okay. Um, but man, I just had this moment of like it was just like a jolt or a shift or something that went inside, just with inside my soul, man. That where it's like there was different questions and conversations really in pertaining to the Christian faith of um, man like how much do I actually know about what I've been standing on for you know since 12 years old and what I believe how much of it do I know for myself because it's something that I've either read in scripture for myself and and, and um, put the weight of that or my the weight of my life on that thing and seeing God do things or how much yeah. of it was actually just growing up hearing different cliche sayings different right um things in church are just mindsets and philosophies that you just grow up hearing and kind of assume that man these things are true yeah and um and i had this just this moment of like man i know i know god is real i know jesus is real i believe all of that but some of these conversations i felt like i was drawing blanks or didn't have an answer okay for right to where it shook my it shook my confidence a little bit just yeah. uh, in what I knew and why I knew it, um, and so it it just caused me to just kind of slow down for a minute, just assess where I was uh, in my faith, and that was for me that was scary because I I was like man I don't know where this if I keep going down this road I don't right. know where it's going to end up right um, I know too much about what God has done in my life so far that I'm almost hesitant to go down this road because I don't. Man, I don't want to find out that man that it's the, the um, like what is it Wizard of Oz when she finds out <laughs> yeah. it's just the dude behind the curtain pulling some levers. <laughs> that's the second time that's come up on one of my podcasts. Really? Yeah, yes, it's, it's such yeah. a go-to metaphor, man. I think. But. Uh, yeah, but it's so good when when used right, like yeah. it's powerful. So, man, and then man, that movie—I don't know if you remember that movie Zeitgeist that came I out. Never, I never saw it, man. Bro, man, that thing. It was a documentary yeah. that showed up on YouTube, and it, it was like four different parts to this okay. film, but one of them was really just attacking the Christian faith and saying that, you know, the Ten Commandments, <clears throat> the Ten Commandments was really stolen from uh, these uh, these Egyptian uh, scrolls that had these numbers of tenets on those scrolls that lined up with what the Ten Commandments uh, says. Right, and then, right. All these uh, like Code of Hammurabi or something, something or, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or that the story of Jesus was borrowed from this um, Egyptian myth. Yeah. Um, all this stuff. Right. I can't remember specifics, right. but at the time it was a big deal. I knew a lot of people were just they were rocked by that to where it's like, man, wait, if this is true, man, this whole thing is false. It's all a farce. Right. And so all these different things just within culture and questioning Christianity and all that stuff, man. All these conversations were going on. And I was like, man, this this is a lot of conversation going on. And I feel like, man, I don't necessarily have the dots connected to where I can stand confidently, you know, like, look, this is this yeah. has got to be false. But what I wanted to be able to do is say why it was false and draw the sure. lines and the, and right. the correlation. So, right. man, I just went into just 
And around that same time, man, there was a book that came out. It was funny because I asked God, I was like, Lord, look, I know this stuff is not true. And I know there's things that you want to show me, but I don't know the steps to figure out how to get that information to see yeah. these connections. And then, man, I'm telling you, literally, man, about a week later, I looked over at a book that I got um, that was sitting on my shelf that I had got from like a youth specialties convention or something okay. like that. And uh, it was called, it was the case for Christ. The, the oh, yeah, version. yeah. Okay. And literally, I flipped through this book, man, and every single topic that had been, or these, every single topic that it was addressing this, the authenticity of who Jesus was and these different stories that have come up to say that um, the story of Jesus was borrowed from this um, either Egyptian myth or Greek myth or Mithras and whoever else. Man, they sat there and broke the whole thing down as to why this is not true and just, just right. disarmed those whole arguments. Yeah. And, um, and it, you know, took you through scripture and all that and just showed you how, how these things started, these myths or these rumors started about the story of Jesus and who he was and the Ten Commandments and all that. And I was like, man, this book had been sent out my shelf for at least two or three years. Yeah. And, um, and so I just started on this journey of actually just wanting to learn more, okay. get more into, you know, doctrinal stances and all that, the why behind sure. some of the things that we just grow up hearing, man. And so, um, uh, but that was that was a real pivotal point just in my own faith because it added just a new level of confidence and just gravitas to just to right. the weight of scripture and who God was and him wanting to know more him yeah. wanting us to yeah. know more about who he was and really the just the specifics of the gospel message yeah. not just being that thing that I heard at that summer camp that caused me to go up and do a prayer but man right it's not just the mantra right. but just the verbal power that's behind the implications of the gospel message and when you're receiving it that whole thing man i just yeah i want to dig into it because i realized for once that man if i keep unpacking this thing i could see how it actually applies to every single day of my life not just the thing that i heard that one night at a summer right. camp yeah but the implications of it affect every single thing that i do every single thing how i think the decisions i make yeah um, so that was a shift for me man and it was it could have tanked real quickly oh yeah and, yeah of um, course but it, it was definitely a point to where I felt like uncertainty knocking on my door. I felt like my confidence in, in, in the faith was just was being rattled. But I think right. at the end of the day, like we said, it's a good thing. Yeah. Because it had just added a new um, just weight. Um, now, now do you ever have doubts these days? I mean. Doubt. I mean. Man, as far as like God and the existence of God, man, I, I, I don't. Okay. at this point in my life because again man there's just been so many situations to where I just where just God has showed up you know what yeah. I mean and so yeah. to me I can't explain that away by saying it was either happenstance or right. a chance or it was something else yeah. you know in the universe that was making that happen is because I knew in that moment I had to call on God and I saw God respond Yeah. and so to me it's not I doubt just the existence of who he is um yeah i can't i can't say that I, i've been uh to that point i mean i get to, sometimes it's like man all right god how is this sure um but i always say man it's like god's not god's not afraid of us asking questions but it's when we start to question him um in the sense of all right do you even exist are you out there who are you what yeah. are you yeah um so, so yeah, sometimes I ask, I definitely ask God questions because it's just I get to the end of my own understanding or yeah. or uh, there's ignorant there's areas of ignorance in my life that I say, look, God, I I know 
I know there's an answer for this. I don't know what it is, but I'm just trusting you to right. show me directly what it is. Right. <clears throat> for me, sometimes, um, sometimes I, I do, I do have doubts and questions um, about the existence of God, but I think it's more about what's going on inside of me, really, sure. than it is about about Him. And uh, for me, the main touch point is is Jesus. Yeah. And like the big one, one of the big ones for me was like the resurrection of Christ. Yeah. The eyewitnesses who were willing to seal their testimony in their blood. Yeah. Yeah. Like lots of people are willing to die for something that um, they believe to be true. But would you really die for a lie? Yeah. If you claim to be an eyewitness to something, how many people would really take that lie to their grave and 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 you look at the early church they had no like financial gain like there was no reason to lie about it unless it was true or they were nuts like and that would require hundreds of people to be nuts all at once in the same place you know like yeah and that that for me when i have my doubts i always just come back to jesus that's it and it that's that's what does it for me and then i mean we even in as you bring that up, when you look at if it was a lie that was created and then the whole thing about, well, if it was a lie, then it was a lie that was started by women, which in that culture were already, you know, looked yeah. down upon. So why would right. you even, why would you even believe a woman in the first place? But let, yeah. let alone go in with the fact, if you think that right. she was lying, still put your life on the line. Yeah. That's a good and that's, point. that's, man, like realizing the first the day, witnesses to be women Yeah, at that time period. That's, yeah, that's a great point. And even, you know, today it's like, man, we realize, or we don't realize that saying yes to Jesus back then was like, you were just signing your own death certificate. Oh, yeah. Point, you know. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I was just teaching in uh, Sunday school down in uh, Boca Raton. I'm actually teaching on church history. And I was teaching on um, St. Ignatius of Antioch. Yeah. Uh, so he, he was a disciple of John, the theologian, John, who wrote uh, the Gospel of John. Yeah. And, and then he, he was a teacher in Antioch, you know, Peter had been in Antioch and, and like at some point he had to make a stand against the emperor. And it wasn't that he was trying to stand against the emperor. It was like he was trying to stand for Christ. Right. And he was told to honor the emperor in such a way that would have been an affront to his faith in Christ and, uh, such an amazing story. And, and as he was being like, he basically got arrested and was sent to Rome to be thrown to the lions. Mm. And as he went, he started writing epistles. You can read these epistles. I don't know if you have read any of them, but uh, they're great. You can find them online. Um, he started writing the same people that the apostles wrote to. Like he wrote to the Philippians, mm. you know, he, uh, he wrote to the Romans. In fact, one of the interesting things with the Romans was, uh, you know, so the persecution was like in the early centuries was hit and miss, right? It wasn't like universal. And it would pop up, and then like it wouldn't be so bad for a while, and then it pop back up. Um, you know, most likely the Romans at uh, that he was writing to probably had some pool with the government there, might have been able to get him off the hook. He wrote to him. He said, "Don't." He said, "This is my calling," mm. and and he essentially saw himself as following in the footsteps of Saint Paul and ultimately Jesus. Yeah. And uh, it it was it said, you know, I don't know how. Uh, verifiable this is but it said that he went praying for the forgiveness of his enemies all the way to the end mm. um, and the lions devoured him and the emperor was Trajan at the time and he was so moved 
by the man he executed, he stopped persecuting the Christians for a while. Like, mm. Just incredible stuff. Like, yeah, man, it's that's a, that's a rich heritage. I mean, even man, I can't even. It was probably like only a few years ago where I realized. I mean, you always hear the story of Romans persecuting Christians. Yeah. But when you realize it wasn't because they because they just hated Christians, but yeah. Christians were a threat to the idea of the emperor being, yeah, you know, the sovereign ruler that Christians posed a threat to the government because their allegiance was to another king, which was right. Jesus. So right. They saw that as a threat, which says something like huge, like yeah. Rome was threatened by this group of people that have now believed on this Jesus and have surrendered to him as king that yeah. you felt like you had to just wipe out the whole yeah the whole the whole uh whatever group of them you know yeah and so that's amazing in itself because however many of those of those christians were were having that much impact on culture at that time that they were scared like man if this thing spreads Correct. we're done for you know yeah so we gotta we gotta cut it off at the head now yeah so i mean just looking back and thinking back at that thing even now in just culture and the different things and the onslaught of especially in the christian faith how it's being attacked even scripture is being attacked and the validity of the scripture and it's like man we come from a heritage where this is where people shine you know yeah, in the christian right. faith is like this is where we grow and explode because it's like look whether it's an isis um yeah right um beheading christians because they're Christians, and at the tip of the sword, them still, them still claiming the um, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Yeah. To with, the a, end. With, a, with a sword on your neck, you yeah. know. Yeah. Still dying for it, man. That's 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 what we come from. That's the faith that we yeah. come from, man. And it's, it's when you think on those things, it's just it's astonishing, man. It's astounding, right? So. so. Ten years come and ten years go, six years gone and four years slow, two years fought and one and nine months slow, my mission's gone missing and I don't know. My confession is my life's left me jaded, situation inspection, unanticipated, broken scene, broken dreams, broken understanding, broken bones lead minis from my crash landing, unleashed they say, the power of your dreams, but then your dreams crack and starts become ending. Just game, but you would give people the mask on the Middle East, being we further the kingdom of living our dreams and miracles. 
know who I was and live life as a servant. It's urgent to turn this into something that your lips can speak. It's only for you and it'll change next week. And I pray and beg that this will be the type of thing that both of us can keep. Life is like a rotating room, moving too fast to get used to the view. Transitional, life live missional. No two men are exactly identical. Life is like a rotating room, moving too fast to get used to the view. Transitional. There's a lot more that could be said. I don't want to keep you all night. Yeah. Um, I've got some fun stuff I always hit before we uh, wrap up. Let's so, do it. Uh, so you've got a beard. Uh, you, I'm trying uh, to have a beard, man. Yeah, you, you. I don't remember you having a beard before. I don't. I don't think I was able to grow one. Probably last time <laughs> we saw. So even now, I feel like it's just halted, man. So. But it looks good. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. What What do you do to take care of it? Uh, man. One thing I figured out. I mean, obviously, you got to cut the beard. Yeah, to help yeah. it grow, and so uh, I've been doing that. I actually cut, I cut my own hair, so I have a, you know, I can do that as much as I need to. Yeah, um, you know, obviously went to the beard oils, man. Started putting oh, that good. in. Good. And, um, yeah, man. So I just I try to keep it groomed up as much as I can. But like I said, I think I've I probably got to the. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna grow any longer, man. Okay. So I might, I might abandon it soon, but. <laughs> Don't do that. It looks good, man. <laughs> like even keeping it at that level looks good. Okay. Um, what? What? Where do you get your beard oil? Amazon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really know. I mean, obviously, obviously, people have different types and grade of hair. So sure. I'm trying to figure out, man, what which oil or balm to where you can get that softness to where it doesn't always feel like you know yeah. a scrub pad situation. Right. Right. Um, so I haven't quite hit that yet, but. But uh, yeah, the last the last uh, bottle I got from Amazon before that, man, I had some like Amish beard butter okay. stuff that I bought from Amazon. <laughs> nice, um, which was good, man. It worked well too. So, well, I, I make a beard oil. If if I had my really? merch with me, I would just give you a oh. bottle to try out. But what's it called? Um, I I it's Royal Ruckus beard oil. <laughs> it's nice. It's yeah. It's it's not like it, it's on my uh, merch page, and I you know I sell it at my merch table. I've got okay. I've got like a pine scent, and then um, sandalwood. Man, you got sandalwood. I got sandalwood. That's, that's my like my favorite scent, bro. Yeah, I, I, and I'm like I'm actually I should send you a bottle because I'm struggling to decide if subtle sandalwood is the idea or yeah. just let the sandalwood shine. Man, so like I've held back a little bit, and yeah. I've gotten compliments on it, but you got to get pretty close to me, you know, like yeah. But. <laughs> I think, man, if you can find, if you can split the difference on that, something that yeah. stays with you the length of your day, your least right. eight hours yeah. staying power, yeah. and uh, you know, you still get, even if you smell your own sandalwood, bro, it's, it's a win, <laughs> you know. Everybody it really else, is, man. Sandalwood so, is so good. <laughs> it is, man. Yeah, that's definitely like my favorite, just you know, natural fragrance, man. So when I buy even like cologne or anything like that, I'm looking for that sandalwood. Oh note, yeah, yeah. You know, so. No, I got you. Uh, do you have a favorite taco? <laughs> man, you know what? Um, I actually do. Okay. Um, I'm glad to hear that. And uh, it's fish tacos. Okay. Specifically, fish tacos from Blue Coast Burrito. Oh yeah, yeah. Blue Coast yeah, is man, great. They do, they do their uh, their Baja tacos man i don't know what that sauce is that they put on it but it's yeah. uh it's pretty amazing and yeah. then the fish that they chop up man it's crispy okay so uh i enjoy fish yeah. tacos from yeah. Baja Burrito that's good sure. stuff man or blue coast burrito blue actually coast. both 
Because I think that's kind of the same company. What, what, what was the other one you said? Baja Burrito. Baja Burrito and Blue Coast Burrito, yeah. Yeah, Blue, Blue Coast. Is, uh, they got one Cool Springs, right? They do, yeah. It might be the franchise version of Baja Burrito, and I could be lying about all this I'm saying <laughs> right now. But. No, but that, that type of taco is really good. Yeah. And it truly, like... Uh, the probably the best place I've had that is in Baja, California. Okay. Like a couple of us, like uh, Mike and I from Royal Rockets, we yeah. used to go down there. Um, Yoda, that used to be in our crew, he went down there a few times with us, and we would actually get the Baja tacos. Yeah. Now I don't know if people in Baja actually eat those or if that's just a tourist thing. But yeah. It's delicious. So you just <laughs> you just burrito juked me right now. I'm talking about Blue Coast in Nashville, and you're like, yeah, we went to Baja to get the Baja burrito. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's a real thing, man. It's, yeah, they yeah. didn't just it's just not a it's not a clever name. Like it's a, it's real. So uh, I, this is a little cliche, but I like to ask when I have rappers on. Do you have any hip hop pet peeves? <laughs> wow, man, <laughs> how much time we got? Man? I mean, everybody's got at least one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, man, I do. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, man, am I just getting older and just don't appreciate <laughs> some of the things that happen? So I mentioned, like, now, I mean, I definitely think, you know, everybody's kind of on the, I don't even know what we're calling it now, man, with this mumble rap or wavy style or whatever. Yeah. So I appreciate the fact that somebody said, hey, we're going to take this route. We're going to start, you know, taking a whole different kind of rhyme scheme and a different pattern to, yeah. to how we're writing these bars. So I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that somebody thought outside the box. I mm -hmm. think now, man, we're getting and arriving to the point to where, you know, everybody's doing it. Yeah. And um, it's getting hard to just know who's who on a record when a song plays. Because right. everybody has yeah. the same style right now. Yeah. But so when I think about things like that, I was like, well, man, who do you, when you think about just hip hop for the last 20 years, like what are the, who are the groups that stand out? And it's literally mm -hmm. groups that come in with something different, something new. Sure. How they say whatever they're saying. And then those are the groups that, like, you remember. Yeah. Like, you don't remember, you know, you don't remember the guy that tried to rap like Nas after three years after Nas was out. Yeah, yeah, right. You remember Nas, right? Yeah. Or you, don't, you remember, like, groups that I remember that came in with something totally different and switched the whole trajectory of a lot of different groups' style. Yeah, is, right. Is... I mean, obviously, you have your Wu-Tangs, you have your Nas, you have your, um, man, I even think about groups like Das Effects, right? Nobody's oh, yeah, checking yeah. for Das Effects now, right. but think of that one song. Yeah, they want effects, Then all of a sudden, everybody's wiggity, wiggity, I stickity rock, I wiggity, you know? Yeah, so these yeah. guys started that, it started with them, right. whether it's a tribe, whether it's a, um, a Buster Rhymes, whether it's a Lauren Hill, whether it's an Arrested Development, it's like these guys came in, right. put the anchor down, and right. then you have a bunch of sound alike kind of groups and crews that, that go off of that. So I'm like, right. man, I just I wish we would keep that. And again, I understand the whole element of familiarity and people people love it. These songs that are coming out, so everybody just ends up doing the same thing because yeah. it's also it can be lucrative as well. Right. But I guess I'm just saying, man, for the for the just for the culture aspect of it, man, to keep things fresh and yeah. moving forward and and creative, man. Let's 
let's continue to think outside the box and some new ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's just one of them. But again, I, I don't know if that's no, but that, that, that's a big one. And yeah. like, like sometimes I, I'll, I'll hear some guy and I go, okay, like this is a fresh flow, and then boom, he hops into this cadence that I'm like, yeah, okay, and I start. Sometimes I start laughing. Yeah. Because it's like all of a sudden it sounds ridiculous to me just because I've heard it so many times. Yeah. And and like. You know, we we came up a few years apart, but still pretty much in the same era. And, like, it was valued to have your own flow or your own general style. Like, even if your general flow was a lot like someone else's, you brought something fresh to the table or nobody cared. Right. Nobody wanted to listen to you. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's it's obviously different now, man. Um, But I do appreciate, like, even now, when even if there's a certain cadence or a rhyme. Yeah. Excuse me, a rhyme pattern is... what everybody's doing but yet the level of content and the level of composition that you're putting into that style to make it your own i could still you know respect that versus just like as you can keep that and say absolutely nothing yeah i'm like man that was i'll never get that three four minutes back that i just listened to your (laughs) song in my life right right so um so yeah man i mean nowadays man now i'm listening to more or less like instrumental stuff and i still listen to jazz and just Mm. older stuff just to just to kind of stay inspired musically as well. So, how many levels of layers can one gaze through? Is a clue transparent optical to block what's pursued? I must resort to this question. Has God truly ordained this? Thinking of a master plan, try to obtain this. Why do these kids always do them things they do to you? Okay, I'm giving it all to you because I now remove my hands. The uppercase can take control because the schemes that I've initiated now be getting old. I can execute my plans and acquire easily, but being stopped by screen doors occurs repeatedly. But delight in the logo, desire shall be. Disruptly find the screen closed with the bloody nose. Oh Lord, forgive me. 
to shade stops the race from blinding my sight from the truth as I gaze. Amazing it seems as I gaze through the glass, appealing to my eye the other side reveals the evil men collecting loot in pursuit of happiness and ease for momentary release of pressure cooking brain cavity. Could it be conviction as my diction lashes fade? They eat from the plate of indecisiveness, lost in the wilderness of pleasure, ignorant of the measure of judgment that lies when the end is here and the end is near. I'm about to break you off a little taste of discipline in its rarest form. Are you listening? For those who have the evil conception of this statement, you'll understand when I'm gunning through. Tell me why you stare instead of winning souls, wasting precious time living on your own. Remember, if you can, my final thought impose. I rebuke those who bled through the three remaining clothes. Real quick, uh, before I do my last couple real real fast ones, uh, have you heard the latest tribe? I mean, I guess it's been out almost a year now. Maybe I've, a full year. I've heard it, yes. Yeah, so I listened through it for sure. Okay. One of the reasons I brought it up, though, is you were talking about, like, the difference between sending in a verse and, like, working together. And I don't right. I don't know if you read much about how they did that record. No, I did not. Q-Tip was insistent that everybody had to be in the studio. Yeah. Now, I don't think they ought to be in the studio at the same time, but they had to go to Q-Tip's studio yeah. to work on it. And I don't know if that was 100% of everybody, but the interviews I read made it sound like that. Okay. So, like, Busta went to New York yeah. to write his stuff. Yeah. And and in the process of reading some of those interviews, like, you know, the classic uh, scenario, um, I was reading in one of the interviews that, like, they wrote that, recorded it together, and, like, when Busta got in there and did his stuff for scenario... A bunch of the guys went and rewrote their stuff and asked to get back in and recut their vocals because he just blew them all out of the water. Bro. And you miss that magic if you just send it in. Perfect example, man. I mean, because think of how the listener benefits from the level of art that gets created for that situation. We used to do that all the time, man. It's like, like, man, somebody would go in and just kill it. And you're like, man, hold up. Give me about 20 more minutes while I rewrite my verse and (laughs) adjust it a little bit. Exactly. But yeah, because, and that was, I mean, that's, Man, that's a staple, monumental song just within hip hop. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, what in the world just happened? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah. So that was a, uh, that song was huge, man. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up, man, because that's just again to to the point of, man, how important it is just for the just for the art part. Man, yeah, just to exactly. Creating community because you're it's iron sharpens iron, man. Yeah. Um, and I think that's again where the, the public benefits from from that kind of connection. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have a uh, book or a podcast you've been reading or listening to lately that uh, might benefit the listener, um, especially like extra props if it's something that like a non-religious person might be into? But whatever, extra prop. Yeah, I mean, I think the guy that I listen to, the ride to the most man, I think non-religious people could actually benefit from it, even okay. though he's a pastor. But man, I love listening to. Uh, to anything from Tim Keller, especially okay. especially his messages that he does up there at uh, Redeemer up in New York, um, because I believe I mean obviously he's not like the guy that you know he's the most charismatic uh, like speaker or orator. To me, he's like a science teacher, but just breaks down the basics of just the gospel I message for people that have questions about it. And I think he helps um, for Christians. I think he helps them actually. Uh, verbalize the gospel communicate the gospel message because i mean you look at his his the makeup of his con- congregation in new york city is you have everybody from people just wanting to know more about god but it might have grew up agnostic or atheist 
to people in the financial dis- the in the industry and, 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 and arts and entertainment industry. So he have all these this conglomerate of people and uh, that he has to hit everybody on all levels and kind of bring them into right. what he's actually trying to say. And so okay. I I just enjoy the breakdown of of, of his messages, man. And um, so he's like the guy I ride to the most. But as of recently, um, man, I'm listening to this audio book right now of a guy named Russell Moore. Um, he wrote a book okay. called Onward. And uh, man, I just been loving it. I mean, again, it's it's a it's a guy who's a who's a Christian speaker and author, but the way he's addressing things that are going on, I think he might have wrote this book maybe in 2015. Okay. But the topics in the book addressing where we're at right now is a culture with the whole patriotism thing and the flag and yeah. gun control and what does that look like? What should the stance be um, from a believer standpoint who is trying to live according to? Um, how God lays it out in scripture. Um, and so it's, he just does a great job okay. at, of it, man. It just caused people to think and how to think versus he's trying to tell us what to think. So, um, so I've been enjoying it, man. He's fastly becoming like one of my, my favorite, uh, nice authors just off of that one book. So yeah, I'll put those in the show notes too. So, okay. Yeah. So people need to look that up. Um, do you have any socials or websites you want to plug? Man. Um, I mean, I, st- I have my Instagram and my Facebook, which are both I Know Verbs. Um, okay. That's the handle, so you can check those out. Um, you probably run into mostly just pics of my kids and various <laughs> uh, various quotes and stuff that I might think of um, throughout the week. And that's pretty much what I post right now. So, All right. And the very last thing, and I didn't warn you about this, so hopefully you're ready for Uh-oh. it. Um, favorite rap song of all time or, or just a song that's just a freaking game changer for you? And I'm going to close out the podcast. Yeah, man. Great question. <laughs> man, I think uh, I'm trying to debate right now between a tribe song or a leaders of the new school song. Oh, that is oh, tough yeah. between the two. You know, I love the way it's going down. Going down. You know, I love the way it's going down. Going down. I'm the one night supreme. Being all serious. So with the roll. No, I'm not European. Operator, operator. Put me on hold. Each one of those groups brought something uh, to the table. That I mean, yeah, it's hard to say, man, a song like Scenario. It's a pretty game changer song. Yeah, it is, man. So I would say, yeah, for hip hop, definitely because I mean that you got the again you saw just Buster Rhymes just blow everything off the hinges with that verse to where it's like, man, who is this dude? He's like a yeah a rap superhero from a planet beyond. Um, but when they actually came out, Leaders of the New School, when they came out with uh, Case of the PTA, even now, if you go back and watch that video and just the visuals that go along with that song, it's yeah. like it's amazing that back in whatever uh, early '90s that these dudes 
we're thinking about that. It's just another case of that OPTA. Oh, man. The school I wrote notes to quote some Shakespeare and other types of rhymes to show you that I care. For things like together forever to you're my only one. Only it one. special, I could say it was a loved one. You would say someone's knocking out my window. Knock, knock. Just doing things that that creative and that crazy back then. Yeah. But that song, Case of the PTA, man, when it came out, just the level of energy that was in the song, and uh, again, just the cadences and all that stuff, was uh, was like one of my favorite songs that I wrote to, man. So that was like theme music for me during high school. Okay. Um, probably in the close second, man. Ninety-three until oh, infinity. such a good song. <laughs> like when I heard that, I mean, again, that's a case in point. Like these guys yeah. were coming up with a whole different rhyme scheme that we had never heard before, and they were not. They weren't rhyming. They weren't rhyming words together. These dudes would write whole sentences that rhyme together. Yeah. To where I was like, man, you could do that. And so right. Open up a whole new yeah. world to just how you write bars and and uh, how you rhyme different rhyme schemes and all that, man. So it was like. Man, again, these guys were on something totally different, and it was unique because you haven't really, you haven't really heard a group like those guys after those guys. And stuff. Right. Yeah. But yeah, just listening to that, I mean, on that laid back, that laid back beat, man, and just how they rode over it, man, was was amazing. To where I took note, to where it's like, man, okay, they're doing something to a to a whole different level. So. Yeah. Which one are we rolling on? I gotta pick one. You gotta pick one. Ah. I mean, yeah, just for this, I mean, it's going to have to be scenario for sure. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining me. This is Bruise Beards and Shipwrecks. I'm Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus. I'm here with Verbs. And uh, here we go with scenario. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah boy.